again. Here we go. This is Gone Mental episode 258 here on Real Punk Radio. here on the Thursday Night Wrecking Pit, only on Real Punk Radio. And uh, this Thursday Night Wrecking Pit thing, if you are unfamiliar, we're generally a haven for the finest uh, finest night of live psychobilly radio on the internet. Uh, with me bringing up the first hour of psychobilly radio, and this is called Gone Mental, like I said. My name is Dan, and then we have the last... Two hours of the Thursday Night Wrecking Pit brought to you by our friends over at Zorch Radio. Um, but tonight, I don't think we're playing any Psycho Billy. Uh, we got a guest host here, uh, our good friend Eric, who is from Scene TV and The Violent Shifters. And you're in Aloha from Hell, too, right? And Aloha from Hell. Um, you're well familiar with The Violent Shifters. I play them a ton on here. Um, I hope you're familiar with Scene TV. Um, if not, 
we'll make you all familiar by the end of the night. So, hi, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. And uh, it's nice to be back in the, in the new digs in the in the nether regions here. Yes, that's right. So, Eric was a guest host before at the old house in the old basement. Um, we've moved. I think I've mentioned that before, but that's pretty relevant to people who aren't physically here. So, forget about that. Um, but a lot's changed since then, at least for me, with the whole uh, CTV Raw oh, project. Oh, yeah, because that was just in... You were just relaunching that. Yeah, so thing, and now we're 16 episodes deep and no end in sight. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's that's like I when I started with Gone Mental, I was just like, I don't know how long this will go, and I'll probably do it for a couple months. <laughs> and here you are, like, six years later and 200 and... How, how old, what is 258. It? 58. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Time flies. It sure does. I, I can't imagine doing video, though, because I, I thought about, like, I, I know some podcasters do video elements, and I thought, well, I could set up a webcam and just... Uh, I remember uh, in the early days when Zorch Radio was on, on a terrestrial radio station, the radio station's website had a camera of the DJs and... You know, watching that, and they're like flipping records. I was like, I'm just sitting here and drinking whiskey and twiddling my mustache. Nobody wants to watch that. Well, and I think there's uh, something to keeping the behind the he- scenes behind the scenes. You know, so it keeps the uh, kind of don't look behind the curtain element alive. Right. Yes. Nobody wants to see what's going on here. <laughs> Uh, so what what did we you picked the opening track what did we hear there so that was the victims doing television addict and that's actually the theme song for scene tv raw you know the television reference i thought was appropriate and when we first launched it in uh, 2015 uh, october as a web series that was a tune that came to the top of the list and then it wasn't but I think three, four episodes in and I found the helicopters covered that same song and just shredded up and so we've stuck with the helicopters version of that ever since then but that is what we heard the victim's television addict nice and I just got a text from our friend Jake over at Zorch Radio doing as he always does uh, giving us the lesson to go along if we need to which is really funny because I don't think I've respected his start time since he came on <laughs> Real Punk Radio I think there was once where I ended right on time and it turned out that he wasn't ready because I am never respectful of time so well that's the so what I guess that means is since I don't work tomorrow, we're playing as long as we fucking want. We'll, we'll take his whole two-hour slot. So. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, like we were talking earlier, I have uh, probably more than enough songs to play. and I based it around the Scene TV Raw kind of episodes that we have one per band, or one, one band per episode with 16 songs, and then a few other ones thrown in after violent shifters and things like that nice all right so we have ample time to play what we want okay and um well should we kick things off with uh some highway murders oh hell yeah let's do that
say what we just heard, but well, I that's, can help that's Aaron's that. turn. Sure. So first off, we had the Highway Murders with Hammer. And the Highway Murders were on the first episode of CNTV Raw. They're from Santa Cruz, California. And I first found out about them from this documentary called Chopper Town the Sinners. It's about like a motorcycle car club that the professional skateboarder Jason Jesse is a member of and had the Highway Murders play one of their shows. And Anyway, I highly recommend it. I had the pleasure of meeting the Highway Murders and staying with them at the Murder House and uh, they're quite a crew and put out just really killer uh, music and have had some ups and downs in their life. The singer that uh, you heard on that track, is he passed away. He's no longer with us, and they have a new singer. And um, still playing their original material and writing some new stuff, too. So if you haven't heard of them, check them out, The Highway Murders. And, uh, yeah, I'm stoked to have met them. And we shot a music video with them that nice. we're still uh, working on. But you know the, the Lost Boys, that, that movie? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody who's listened to Psycho Billy who's not familiar with. So there's a there's a real um, memorable scene from The Lost Boys that was uh, shot on the train bridge in Santa Cruz. And we went to that same bridge and shot a scene with them there. And it, was, nice. it was awesome. Not to mention lighting skateboards on fire in a graveyard and all sorts of other some fun stuff. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully that'll come out in the near future. So every time I see, sorry to interrupt, but every time I see the uh, the posts about the new episodes, I mean, you interview a, a, like a shit ton of, in my mind, like legendary fucking punk rock. So how how do you do that? Is it just like with with that you obviously went to to their town? Is like you just travel to where they are and interview them there and and and, and film, or do you wait till they come to town to play here? Or it's a little bit of both, and I guess I should tell you the backstory with how the project came about. So in 2001, I started Scene TV as kind of a side project because I always worked in TV, but just for fun. And I interviewed local bands and skateboarders and then um, met some touring bands and that kind of opened the floodgates for a ton of other touring bands. And then I shot the show around and it eventually got picked up by a broadcast affiliate in the Twin Cities area, which was kind of a big deal. You know, then you can't do that anymore. But uh, we were on the air for just shy of two years. And um, the downside, kind of like you and I were talking about off air, about FCC regulated uh, <laughs> broadcasting, is you can't be quite as free with uh, the material as, um, you know, we would like to. So we eventually got in some trouble with the FCC. Uh, Dwayne Peters of the U.S. Bombs uh, was on. And we ran a trailer for his documentary, Who Cares? And there was one little clip of Dwayne that had him uh, flipping the bird, covered in blood. And we had already gotten a little bit of trouble for something else. And that was it. So the show was canceled. And um, I guess in hindsight, um, it was going to happen anyway. Once our show was canceled and all of the other, like independent produced shows were nixed and replaced with syndicated programming like Friends and Cheers and all that. So I kind of put it as a feather in my cap and wrote an article for Paying in Pain magazine 
that was one of the sponsors of the show called FCC gets fucked by or Scene TV gets fucked by the FCC and then um, kind of put it on the shelf after that and then you know got into documentary and that's kind of how I met you through you know like the yeah. psychobilly scene and I did the Lucky Bastards documentary that had you know Corp Show Creeps and a bunch of other psychobilly yeah, you, bands I think we first started talking um when you were drumming for the Hot Rod Hearse. Right. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong because when I was doing the the, the booking and things, I, I, I drank a lot. Um, but if I remember correctly, we started talking. The first time I talked to you in person was when you guys played with Corpse Show Creeps and Zombie Ghost Train. That's right, at Memory Lane. And during the Corpse Show Creeps set, I was in the pit and somebody's head bumped into my face and broke my nose. That's right. Um, and there's blood fucking everywhere. Like, uh, just a, a just a triangle starting up my nose and going down my shirt and down my chin. There's some blood. And um, I sat down drunk as hell because that's the day I discovered that I should not drink gin and tonics because they're easy to drink. Um, sat down with my wife and two sister-in-laws and she's like, oh my God, there's blood everywhere. Go to the bathroom. And she was just horrified. <laughs> like, we can never do this again. We can, we're, we're done. And then I was vindicated when you emailed me and um, I don't remember what show it was, but it was at the Triple Rock. And you're just like, yeah, you want to be on the list of us? Like, huh. I did not humiliate ourselves. I just well, humiliated you. I just thought, <laughs> you know, you and I met through, uh, I think it was the um, Wrecking Pit. And you were Moo oh, Juice. yeah. Yeah, no, Wasn't yeah. that your handle at one point, Moo Juice? Yes. And because so, that was my old punk band when I lived in Rochester. Okay, oh, cool. So I thought, wow, this Dan is the real deal. I mean, he he's, he's, he's bloody crazy. <laughs> I just drank too much. <laughs> that was awesome. So, um, anyway, then uh, with Scene TV, I teach film, and I'm supposed to like do what I teach, which makes total sense. And I've done a lot of, quote-unquote, socially redeemable uh, types of projects, and I was encouraged to do something more personal. And with Scene TV, I had boxes and boxes of tapes of interviews that I had recorded that never made it to air, and then um, decided to kind of resurrect that and then update it with new materials. So I got a a little bit of a a budget to go on the road, and we went and took two trips out to California and met up with people that were nice enough to invite me to do interviews. Nice. And it was great. And and we've been out there a couple times since then. And then it, it just kind of depends on the circumstances, but when touring bands come to town or like regionally like I went down to um, Madison and Milwaukee for shows like I interviewed MDC when they were in Milwaukee and we went and uh, interviewed JFA and the Dwarves when they came to Madison so you know that just kind of gives us more flexibility than just having it be totally dependent upon the Twin Cities and don't get me wrong I mean the Twin Cities does attract a lot of great bands but sometimes with interviews bands are more willing to do that or pro skateboarders if you come to them right yeah it's, it's always more comfortable when you're in your own home turf well and there's a, in certain instances it, there's an advantage where you're not having to worry about their timing like oh I've got to go on stage in two minutes I don't yeah. have time for you and location it's like um, I interviewed Doyle uh, a couple of weeks ago up in Duluth on his tour bus which I 
you know, I guess it was what it was, but it, it didn't give me the ability to light it how I usually like to light it. And right. it was like, oh, I've only got so much time. And so anyway, I tried to do the best I can, but um, since we started it in October of 2015 as a web series, it's been great. It's been about one episode per month, and we've also got some social media stuff that you and I were talking about earlier. That's a total different uh, game changer in this day and age with, with anything that has to do with online that you need that social media presence. And that was kind of an ongoing experiment with me. And um, Adam DeGross, that, you know, the yeah. famous uh, photographer from the Twin Cities, uh, I met through the uh, Middle of Nowhere project that I did before I did the documentary on Lucky Bastards, told me that you need to get on Instagram because that's the best way to reach people and contact bands. And he was right. And that seems to be another, like, just way of reaching out and, and engaging people. But I have yet to um, discover the magic bullet to, like, what people dig. Like I, like I was telling you earlier, I had one viral post, and it was like a repost of a, a cartoon, which was kind of funny, but it wasn't anything real original that I try to update and... People went ape shit over it. Social media is so fucking fickle. And I, I feel I've been in IT for 22 years and I still, with a social media thing, I feel so like an elderly grandpa. I basically, I, I stumble along with social media for gone mental by tr- basically trying to watch what Zorch Radio does. And, uh, that, that, that Jake over there at the Zorch is doing this Instagrams thing. Maybe, maybe I ought to put up a couple of pictures and yeah, I don't know what the fuck to take a picture of. Well, and it's really addicting, too, and people get conditioned to expecting new content and then, you know, posting things and coming up with something that's engaging or halfway interesting or re- related to the content of the project. Right. You know, that's, so that's where I came up with the Red Reaper, and um, it's basically I would take photos and videos of, of skateboarders or punk rockers and put a red skull over their head and then um, decided to take that on as an alter ego for myself to kind of engage on social media with other groups like the um, welfare line skateboard collectors or the sharks or the uh, skateboard junkies. It's all these people that are into, you know, reminiscing over their, uh, you know, glory days of skate punk and you know some a lot of them still live it today but anyway that uh, seemed to make sense and um, a little easier for me to become an alter ego of uh, something that's related yeah and that's I, I I really I always and I think this is why I failed as a music promoter um in any sort of promotion, I always feel like a whore. And things like Instagram, they, it definitely does make it easy to do kind of a painless. It's like that's that's what the forum is created for is is that kind of thing. So it's, I, I feel like less of a spamming dick by <laughs> well, posting. everybody else is doing it too. Right, so right. That's wondering. that's what it's there for. Right. It's, it's like you know, I, you look at my Instagram feed and it's all pictures of fucking Boston Terriers. It's like, well, uh, it's uh, it's all pictures of Boston Terriers, and if like you're following psychobilly, it's all pictures of people's fucking pompadours. So I feel like less of an asshole because everybody else is posting garbage, so I might as well post garbage. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that kind of, for me, it gives me an excuse to post stuff that I'm personally interested in, not like 
lame crap. Like, right. this is what I'm eating, or, you know, yes, something like I, that. <laughs> I don't think... Could be wrong, because I went camping yesterday, and I always post a picture of my camp dinner, because cooking over a fire is, like, one of the funnest things about camping. So I, I don't think I've ever posted a picture on Instagram of my food. So, but I may have done it last night, and I'm a liar. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but this is okay. probably our longest air break, and yeah. we've only talked sure. for one song. Yes, so. right. Okay, let's just let's <laughs> get to the... So we, we played the Weirdos uh, Neutron Bomb, and that's a legendary punk band that uh, oh, yeah. came through the Twin Cities, and cool to meet them, and they raged heavier than ever, you know, guys that are in their 60s, and um, that's pretty inspiring to see that music doesn't really have an expiration date right. for a lot of people. And then after that, we heard from the Black Ladybugs, and um, the Black Ladybugs are Art and Steve Godoy. They're twin brothers that are professional skateboarders, and at one point in time, were well known as the most heavily tattooed professional skateboarders. And um, Thrasher Magazine did a big feature on them back in the uh, mid-80s, and they were very much pioneers in skate punk. And, um, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting them, and they do a ton of uh, band stuff. And Black Ladybugs is one of their bands. They also have um, the fucking Godoys. And they were in a band with Dwayne Peters called the Exploding Fuck Dolls. And... Um, also play with Radio Birdman, and so they are both extremely talented. One plays drums, one plays guitar, and they're twin brothers, so they kind of sync up naturally. Right. And um, anyway, uh, when I was in um, Germany last year, it just the the timing was so close to meeting up with them and, and Radio Birdman because they were on tour over there. But because I was there for my work, I couldn't get away. So should we um, play the next uh, oh, sure. set? So what are we we looking at? Coming up next is Joe Buck and Zeke with Give It Up. Nice. Here we go.
And we're back. We are. So the beginning of that set was Joe Buck and one of my all-time favorite bands, Zeke. They teamed up to do this Give It Up. And I've never interviewed Zeke. I was really close to meeting uh, Donnie, who has a barber shop in kind of by Seattle. And um, it just didn't work out. But it's the invitation is still open, so at some point I'll meet up with them. But I did have a chance to meet Joe Buck, and he was uh, an interesting character, to say the least. He <laughs> lived up to his... his uh, Ambiance and um, every picture I've seen, I've seen him play once or twice, and like he just like every human being has a number of different facial expressions. But every picture I've seen of him, he looks like the most insane, savage individual who's ever existed. But I mean, having seen him in like outside of still photos, just. Well, and that's, I, to meet him in person, that's kind of how he is, too. I mean, he's very intense, and Why he has he, Dead Boys t-shirt he always wears. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's played with um, the legendary Shack Shakers. He's played with Hank the Third. Yep. I mean, to, to play with those kind of performers who have a certain amount of intensity, you, uh, it's, it's kind of a given that you're going to have kind of a... a compatible amount of intensity about you. Oh, so. sure. Have you seen the documentary Trashville? You need to check that out if you haven't. It was on... Um, it sounds familiar. It, it, it's on the subject of traditional country and how Nashville has been kind of taken over by mainstream corporate shit country. And... Uh, <laughs> There's this great scene in it where Joe Buck is walking down the road and this yuppie big shot pulls up in a Cadillac or a Lincoln or something and he's saying, this is the face of new country. And the guy says, who is the face of new country? He said, I am motherfucker. <laughs> That's pretty great. But yeah, Joe Buck yourself, uh, great performer and killer music if you haven't uh, heard his solo stuff highly recommend it and i'm i am i am always a sucker for a one-man band i i don't play enough one-man bands on my show but i always when i do my intro piece and say you know we play psychobilly rockabilly one-man band i i actually i once did a only one-man band show i always said if i could play any instrument um at all i would yeah, well, if I had any talent, really, I would do a one-man band. But like, I, I play the fucking washboard, and I don't even play that well. So, but yeah, I, it, I've seen Joe Buck as a as a one-man band. I, I know he played, like I said, with uh, the legendary Shack Shakers and Hank the Third. So I've only seen him in that context. But I fucking, I love him just if for nothing else, the fact that he's a one-man band. Absolutely. Yeah, it takes a lot of talent to be out there by yourself, and he just brings it. I mean, taking his guitar case and turning it into a drum, a bass drum with the pedal on it, and it's amplified, and it rages. Plus, just the the uh, the genre of one man band. I mean, the, when you're doing a one man band, you're obligated to all you can do is just sit there. And one of my favorite shows I've ever seen is Scott Scott H. Byram, and he's he does the one man band thing, and he just sat there. But it was still with him just sitting there. It was one of the most energetic performances I've ever seen in my entire life. And to to 
just sit there and still exude that amount of energy takes a lot of talent that, and dedication. That takes a lot of passion, mm-hmm. a lot of talent, and it, you can't fake that. No. There's nothing fucking phony about anything that the one-man bands do. Whether whether they're good or not, just that amount of genuine... Gen- genuine, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that comes through. Mm-hmm. You can't hide that shit. For sure. You know, like we were talking earlier about... Um, how I've been able to meet all these, you know, amazing artists, and Joe Buck just had a, a really uh, interesting story. You know how he looks the way he looks, kind of like a you know, like a monster face because he got burned, and um, he had a story about you know growing up in kind of a hard uh, life, and that has driven who he is lyrically and as a performer. And it's just kind of cool, that, you know, to hear that story and have him explain a little bit more. And, um, anyway, if you want to check it out, it's uh, on SceneTVRaw.com. All right. So after yeah. that, we switch gears to The Virus. And The Virus are a street punk band out of Philadelphia. And, yes. Um, I was actually listening to them earlier today. Is that That's, right? I, I, I lost, like, my entire music catalog in, um, I want to say, 04. Mm-hmm. And... Prior to that, because it was around the time I discovered Psychobilly, my entire music catalog was almost entirely uh, punk rock. And after that, I discovered Psychobilly, and so most of my catalog now is Rockabilly and Psychobilly. And uh, the virus is one of the few things that I was able to um, recover as, as far as my punk rock collection. So they are always like just kind of a remembrance of my you know, street punk starting point when I was younger and the only thing I fucking listened to was punk. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's kind of how it's always been for me, too. I, I guess ACDC was the first uh, band that I started. Well, no, Kiss in second grade. And then I got ACDC in third grade. I traded some Pac-Man trading cards for a bootleg <laughs> copy of Back in Black. In fourth grade, I bought my first ever cassette tape ever, and it was White Snake. Oh, is that right? White Snake. <laughs> and I literally played that until it fucking died. Uh-huh. And then, um, fifth grade, embarrassingly enough, was Striper. <laughs> what album? The Hell with the Devil? And Back in Black, or, uh, the, no, Yellow and Black Attack. Okay. I had I had two Striper albums. Uh-huh. That's how hardcore I was into the Christian hard rock. <laughs> Um, and then I discovered Guns N' Roses, and they kind of led me down the metal path, which led to my punk rock path. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's similar to me with, with metal, uh, you know, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. That was 5th uh, and 6th grade, and then about 7th grade, I uh, got into the punk rock, and it was kind of two little uh, pathways. One was Billy Idol. Who you know? I went to California and I got a, a, a gift certificate to Licorice Pizza, which is a was a record store, and I I wanted something that was punk, and I thought Billy Idol must be punk, and of course you know he was with Generation X, so it was you know had a punk background and right. kind of a little more mainstream, and but anyway then that led me to Devo, and then from there it was you know Thrasher magazine, and that's what when it really got into the you know the, the Black Flag Misfits. Uh, in fact, um, 
I mentioned I met Doyle a couple of weeks ago, and I had him sign my. I have two uh, punk rock records that were the first two records that I, I mail ordered for because you know I lived out in the middle of Nowheresville and um, had to mail order stuff. And it was uh, Mommy's Little Monster uh, by Misfits and um, Social Distortion 1945. And the reason I ordered those two is because they were the cheapest ones, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I still have them. But anyway, yeah, that was great. So um, after the virus, then it was the dwarves, and with uh, Monday Blues. The reason I chose that song is because um, we started playing that song in Aloha from Hell, and it's just really catchy, and the dwarves are a band that uh, have a huge catalog of music, and started off as a garage rock kind of a band, and then, um, you know, went heavy into the punk, and I had a chance to meet them uh, a couple times, uh, one time at the Triple Rock where I uh, interviewed a blog, and that's the one that's posted on Scene TV Raw, and then a couple weeks ago, um, I was, they were back with JFA playing in Madison, and I sat down with Nick Oliveri, who, just a, you know, amazing musician in and of himself, he's been in a ton of bands, and uh, did a really great interview that'll be for the future. So should we uh, roll back into some tunes here? Oh, sure. What do we got? First up, we have Battalion of Saints. All right, here we go.
So what we heard there, we kicked it off with Battalion of Saints, and uh, I met up with them out in uh, California. They played a show, and there's one original member, George, and he had some really crazy stories. He said, of all the members, he should be the one that should be dead, and all the other one, the original members died. So um, he had some pretty crazy stories of how he came up with different songs, like when he was on heroin, and just some of the you know craziness of being back in the SoCal punk rock scene. And um, he's kind of inspired an idea that I hope comes to fruition, uh, which if my idea comes together, it would be an animated like little cartoon segment, which some of the stories that I hear are so outlandish that there's nothing that I could really cover it with other than <laughs> animation. So I'm, I've got a little collection going, and that, and he's he's ranking up towards the top. Uh, so would you do the animation, or do you have somebody, uh, an animator you would work with? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I've done a little bit of just 2D animation, and... You know, I don't. I don't mean to volunteer people, but we both know a guy who's pretty good at drawing. Yes, and I think Bill Bill Hauser does not have enough on his plate. Bill would definitely uh, fit the bill. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not like he's a new dad and a full-time illustrator Um, and and an accomplished, uh, world-renowned punk rock artist. Right. He's got scads of fucking For sure. free time yeah. falling out of his ass. Well, I'll, that's, yeah. Well, Th- this, can... this would probably be more appropriate if he is actually a listener, but we don't play fucking metal on here usually. Right. Well, maybe that'll come to light someday, but at any rate, I've got some Honest, crazy actually, stories. The day I met Bill, because he used to live on the other side of my, my block, uh-huh. uh, it was Halloween... A few years back is the first time I took my boy trick-or-treating, and I walked past him, and he's like, hey, neighbor, I think I think we know some, some of the same people. I'm like, probably, because he you know, had big sideburns like I used to, with sure. quick back hair like I sometimes do. He's at 7th Street Barbers. Right. Yep. And, uh, in fact, one time we rode a bike down the alley. My wife said, that guy looks like you. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. Well, we were both wearing a blue flannel shirt, both had slicked back hair, both had big sideburns. Uh, but he's like, do you know Eric Johnson? I'm like, yes, I do. Is that so, right? That's funny. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I met Bill through uh, when I was working on the Middle of Nowhere documentary, which is about the punk rock and hardcore scene in the Twin Cities, and met him as uh, in the context of him being a really... Um, relevant and influential poster artist. Right. And, you know, showed me all the posters that he's done. I, I still have a Christmas card he sent me. Uh, I usually hate Krampus. cards and throw them away immediately after reading them. But I, I read uh-huh. them, I take them to the heart. I, I don't mean to be an insensitive bastard, but I don't keep them. Yeah. Except when Bill sends them, because he fucking puts killer art on the fucking envelope. And I was just like, I'm afraid to open this card because I don't want to accidentally destroy some of this fucking art. For sure. Yeah, no, Bill is a great talent guy. I picked up one of his Krampus uh, And ornaments. he gave me this. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I house that for him. And so it's... Scorpion in a bottle. And yeah, a snake. Well, yeah, for you listeners, it's, it's snake wine. Okay. It's, um... What I think is a ginger or a ginseng root. 
Yeah, it doesn't look like ginger, so it's probably ginseng. And it's a cobra. Oh, that's what it is. It's a cobra with a scorpion in its mouth. Wow. And um, what Bill told me is, if you drink it, it's supposed to give you a wicked big boner. And I said to him, just looking at it gives me a wicked big boner. Because it's... (laughs) fucking Bad amazing ass. and I haven't opened the bottle because if right. I drink it then I have this rotting snake and bug in a bottle right if I leave it sealed then I have it's basically a, an addition to my taxidermy collection oh yeah oh that's great yeah for sure it's, it's fucking beautiful and um I travel sometimes if I encounter snake wine in my travels I'm going to drink some, but see what happens. I'm not going to drink the one that Bill gave me because that's that's a staple at the bar. Absolutely. Well, after we heard from uh, Battalion of Saints, we heard from Blast, and I was able to meet uh, Clifford Dinsmore, who is the original member of Blast, who, just like everybody else, had some great stories. There's one funny story that he told me about the first time that he saw the Misfits play in San Francisco, and it was a band called the Misfits that was kind of like they had mullets and they played like covers, but Misfits with a Z, and Henry Rollins <laughs> was there, and... Um, said, hey, Clifford, let's go check out the Misfits. He's like, the Misfits? Why do you want to see them? And then, of course, it was the New Jersey Misfits, and, you know, the rest is history. But, yeah, really uh, awesome dude, Italian, or uh, Blast, really great catalog of music, and they're still going. Uh, Nick Oliveri also plays in Blast, and, uh, yeah, they're really a really rad band. Then after that, uh, we had Guar, Americanized, and I... uh, had the pleasure of doing an interview with Pustulus Maximus when Gore played here a few years ago, and uh, you know, been a fan my whole life. And back when I originally did Scene TV, I was supposed to do an interview with uh, Odorosaurus back when they played Roy Wilkins, and um, I was on the list. I had a bunch of bands that I was interviewing, and they said, "Oh, you know, show up here and get ready." And I was there. I was working with another guy, and we get there, and it was right when they were taking the stage. So either somebody got their, you know, fat, their their times mixed up. Or they just didn't want to do an interview with us. But at any rate, you know, uh, Odorus is no longer with us. He's in, 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 in the other part of the galaxy. And if you want to know the full story, you'll have to watch the episode where Postulus tells us about that. But it was cool to meet him. And, uh, you know, he's a, quite a character and just great dude. And it's funny, I had this Zeke t shirt on. And he kept saying multiple times, I really like that shirt. I really like that shirt. I'm like, yeah, thanks. It's one of my favorite bands. But I found out later that um, Pustulus, his real name is Brett Purgison, has a band called the U.S. Bastards, which is a straight-up speed rock band, just like Zeke. And I met and interviewed them when they came through here about a year ago uh, in Minneapolis, and right up my alley, and that'll be in in the future episode. But I told them, I said, you know, as as Brett, not as Pustulus, I said, now I know why you like that Zeke t-shirt so much. Like, yeah. And uh, then, let's see, after that, we had Fang. And um, Fang, uh, legendary punk rock hardcore band out of California. And with, with some controversy, Sammy Town, uh, the member, um, basically uh, was at one point one of the most wanted international by Interpol uh Fugitives, and he was a drug dealer, and um, he uh, killed his girlfriend, 
and you know it's a pretty tragic hardcore story and right you know he was found guilty and served time and you know he's been out for a number of years now and um you know basically turned his life around but you know that was a pretty crazy story and um, i couldn't ignore what happened and he neither does he totally you know owns up to what happened and you know but um nonetheless uh it was you know cool to meet him and and then at the same time he uh, is a tattoo artist at this um place called uh, tiger's blood social club and there's a guy named ryan almighty that's also a tattoo artist there that has an oddities museum and he kind of reminded me of that with um the uh cobra uh <laughs> bottle with um some of the stuff that he has he's he's we do have a lot of dead animals here yeah and if you ever make it out to uh i think it's alameda california uh check that out it's really cool um you know oddities in fact ryan almighty was on the show oddities if you've ever heard of that show yeah we we um not myself so much but my wife is a big fan of those kinds of shows mm-hmm. and, he's on sci-fi uh, uh, we watched the series i I fall asleep while I watch TV a lot. So, <laughs> I, 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 that series, it was a binge watch where right. like it's two in the morning and we wake up and like six episodes went past. So, sure. um, a little hazy, but yeah, we, uh-huh. we watched the show and it's like we're. I, I've never been to California though, so. Well, Ryan Almighty is um, among many things. He is known for doing. Uh, very detailed portraits of punk rockers and other infamous like serial killers in uh, blood. All right. As oh. Medium. Oh shit! Yeah, I saw that. Uh-huh. So he was quite an interesting character. And, and yeah, it's like that's one of the few things I remember about that series is like the dude who painted in fucking blood. Yeah, that was him. That's that's <laughs> not something you forget. No. So coming up next, uh, I think we'll kick things off with Prong. Beg to differ. I I had a prong album. I, the only reference I have is the the top forty hit that they had. But I, I saw this and I, I thought of that. So sorry. Yeah. We'll, we'll just play that and I'll shut up.
there we kick that set off with prong and tommy victor as uh, many of you know also played in danzig and um you know prong was a pretty relevant band and still is uh tell the funny story about danzig and the twin cities so i interviewed tommy victor at the caboose and you know as we're setting up i was just making small talk and i said so tommy have you ever played here before and he said oh i almost played here once and um what he was referring to is when danzig was booked to play the caboose and um he uh had kind of a Danzig tantrum and said that he's From what play. I understand is that the stage make him look too short. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah, because he's not a big guy. Like, he's... He's built, but he's just yeah. not he's vertically short. challenged. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And a short ceiling, because the caboose is not a massive fucking venue. Right. Um, but it's a pretty cool venue to... I mean, I've seen some great bands play there before. I've, I've only been there once for... I think it was for a benefit. Okay. And, uh... But, yeah, it was, it was weird that... To me, it seemed like the 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 caliber of the bands that play that venue, mm-hmm. for the size of the venue, it just... It seems like a weird... Like, Dick Dale plays there. Right. Which, to me, yeah. Dick Dale should play a fucking Stadium. arena rock yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. Well, Guar uh, played there, and they were spewing their liquid, you know, from the stage to the back wall, no problem. Everyone Which is like, it is the equivalent of spewing it from, like, my garage door to the door from my garage into my house. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's not a tiny venue, but it's not... It's a medium-sized venue. Yeah. But they do attract some big-name artists. They, they have some massive names for the size of the venue. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I just figured I'd men- mention, Zorch Radio was supposed to start, like, 20 minutes or 16 minutes ago. And it didn't. We've never, since the dawn of Zorch Radio being on Gone Mental, respected their... I should feel bad about this, but Jake is such an under... He's practically Canadian with the amount of understanding he is. Um, and I feel bad, I honestly do, but Jake gave us our blessing to go along here. So if you're a normal Zorch listener who does not listen to Gone Mental... This is not what Gone Mental typically sounds like, but this is a local fucking artist, so shut the fuck up and respect. Well, and I appreciate being here and being able to uh, fuck shit up a little more, so thanks for that. Well, yeah, that's my entire reason I do anything is to promote rock and roll, and if I can promote local artists, I keep hearing, like, a feedback. Oh. Oh, it's like you're queuing another song up. So anyway, uh, no, uh, we no, we're not. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I, I mean, you know, we're just squealing. But um, um, no, it's just the, the headphones, headphones with the yeah, microphone. I had to take them off because I couldn't hear myself think with that reverb. Yeah, the the, the like quarter of a second delay it, it fucked me up for like a year, and now I just drink enough that I ignore it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, after prong, we heard from the faction and. For those of you that were wondering why we had the happy birthday song at the end, it was Steve Caballero's 50th birthday party, and it was recorded by uh, Beer City Records, and they put out a, a full length on the whole uh, faction um, recording. And uh, yeah, Steve Caballero, if you haven't heard of him, he uh, is an original member of the Bones Brigade and, you know, pretty accomplished skateboarder. Somebody will get a chance to meet him. But Gavin O'Brien uh, is the singer of the faction, and Steve Caballero also plays in the faction. And um, Gavin O'Brien's brother, Corey O'Brien, is also an accomplished professional skateboarder. And I had a chance to interview both Gavin and Corey, and they're kind of polar extreme characters. 
Uh, Gavin, really outspoken, really nice, really charismatic. Uh, Corey, on the other hand, was very introverted and didn't want to do the interview. And I had, I had to like practically twist his arm, and I said, "Look, you know." The Reaper is one of the most iconic graphics in, in Thrasher magazine. He was one of the top names, and as a kid, you know, I looked up to him. He said, oh, I guess I'll do it, and he started opening up and, you know, really great stories, and I looked down about 10 minutes into it and realized I wasn't recording. Oh. So instead of saying, sorry, we have to start again, which I, I guarantee would have freaked him out, he said, no, we're done. He would have pretty, you know, we're done here, whatever. So I just kind of the Jedi mind, Red Reaper mind tricked him and just said, okay, that was a great story. Can you kind of like reiterate that and, and tell me a little more detail? And then he pretty much started over and was better yet. So that all worked and out. See, that's, that's kind of the, the it's, it's weird. It's like the things, uh, I admittedly, I don't do interviews, which is why we do the kind of guest shows that we do. Mm-hmm. So I suck at them, but that's, that's like a, a legit fucking skill that like to be able to kind of circle back and it's like well it's something that I learned because I worked in news for a while and was in the National Press Photographers Association and there's certain ways of asking questions so that you elicit more of an open-ended response and the way that all of the CTV Raw's segments are edited are first person there's no like voiceover commentary or anything like that so asking questions that elicit a response are you know part of the way that you get that unless you're talking to doyle and that was another story with that see this is why gone mental has had a guest host who admittedly it's one of my favorite guest host conversations we sat there and talked about jim and the holograms for like insane amount of time because i i can't the misfits I mean, they were one of the bands from Jeff Holograms, right? <laughs> well, I don't know if that's the context because I've never re-listened to it. I just remember we talked about Jim and the Holograms, so it was super fun because when I was probably like 10, it was like a closet fun cartoon to watch. Uh-huh. Um, it was Ariel, who's in the Toxic. Oh, sure. Now. Okay, yeah. Uh, the time was in Assassins. Right, right. Um, Ariel's a fun guest host because... She took my encouragement to inappropriately drink, as I encourage all guest hosts, and probably should have taken my encouragement for a sober driver, but <laughs> uh, we just played rock and roll and talked about fucking whatever the fuck happens, yeah. but um, yeah, we talked about Tim and the Holograms for, I don't even remember how I got on this topic. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, you must have been subliminal with the Misfits. Yes. Which... Well, because the Misfits, I was thinking about on the last set, the first time I saw the Misfits play live, unfortunately, was when I saw them play with Guar okay. live. They played, it was, like, it was Murphy's Law. Oh, cool. And the Misfits and another band. And was it the Jerry only Misfits or was it, it uh, Michael? Uh, it was... It was... Graves. No. Michael Graves is like a guilty, like Famous Monsters is a guilty pleasure of mine. I don't want to admit to liking it. I don't want to like it, but I, yeah. every time it comes out, I'm like, oh, I fucking love this. Well, Violent Shifters opened for Michael Graves once when but uh, they played. But this is like 19, had to be 1999. Okay. I worked at Schinders downtown, like a block away from First Ave, and I was crazy sick. Um,. And it was just like a weird crowd, like wearing like metal t-shirts and punk t-shirts and flannel shirts and mullets and mohawks and 
I was so sick, I think. This is a gauge. If you know me, you understand. I had one drink the entire show, and we left during Guar because I was so fucking sick, I just couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. But I sat through, uh, I sat through the first, there's three opening bands. One of them is the Misfits, because yes, the Misfits is a fucking opening band when Jerry only is your singer. Right. Because Famous Monsters is a good album, but you should have fucking changed your name when Glenn Danzig left. It's a different band in fucking entirely. Well, and, you know, not to mention that we can get into the whole tangent on the merchandising, how you can buy, you know, Misfits skulls on anything. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. There's there's definitely two versions or more than one version of the Misfits. The important <laughs> thing is I saw Guar. That's, I, I don't oh, even yeah. care that I saw the Misfits. That's the only time I've seen the Misfits. And that doesn't even fucking count. Mm-hmm. That's like seeing... I saw Bananarama. Right. Well, and there's certain bands out there that you just need the core members in order to have that full, you know, core experience. Right. So are we ready to kick into the next set here? Oh, sure. I should also mention that uh, that last song was by Bone Crusher, who yes. also played the Caboose. It was a, almost a year ago they did that Oi Fest. Yes. Kind of a street punk fest, and Bone Crusher from California is one of the main bands that played. And, uh, yeah, those if you haven't heard them before, check them out. Uh, Bat Skates. It's a skateboard company. does uh, band skateboard decks, and they did a Bone Crusher one. And they also did a uh, skate deck for the next band that we're about to listen to, which is totally different. It's Thrash. None other than Iron Reagan. Let's go.
We kicked that off with Iron Reagan, and they're kind of a newer thrash band. If you haven't heard of them, they're uh, you know bringing it back, bringing the old school back. And we had a chance to meet uh, Tony from Iron Reagan, who's also in Municipal Waste, and uh, it's really really cool, dude. Really uh, killer music to get down to. Followed by Death Wish, and Death Wish is out of Appleton, Wisconsin, and also has a local member. Uh, Jimmy Claypool joined that band and uh, is on the um, most. Is he uh, related to Les Claypool uh, of Pro- the Primus? Probably not, but I well, I guess it's. <laughs> I'll have to ask the next time I see him. And then, uh, then we we concluded with Subhumans and um, Dick from the Subhumans was was just a great guy to talk to and had a ton of amazing stories. You know, they were such a legendary band and 
talked about, uh, you know, when they first toured the States and how it was just so crazy that um, people moshed and jumped up on stage and and then, you know, got into the um, artwork and the imagery that's, you know, people have come to know the subhumans by. So, you know, all these songs are related to individual episodes and you can tune in to CTVRaw.com to, you know, see what I'm talking about. The subhumans were one of my great awakening punk rock. I, I mentioned during uh, a set, right, my, my, I, I grew up like pop surf, pop garage for my dad and went into metal through cock rock and then discovered punk rock and I think it wasn't like as is cliche for people who went to Catholic school. I didn't really get the Great Awakening until after I graduated, but the Subhumans was one of my first punk rock tapes that I bought because it was fucking ninety five. CDs were CD players were fucking expensive, and as right. punk rock, I I couldn't afford a, a disc man. I had a fucking Walkman, goddammit. Oh yeah, nice and so I bought. Was it the day the country died? And uh, the Subhumans was when I first really like. I, I think I listened to Subhumans for like two or three years before I even heard the Sex Pistols the first time. Mm-hmm. And but no was my favorite fucking Subhuman song. It was a fucking. It was is one that was one of my great awakenings. Like it was down the sleeve of my punk rock leather jacket. Um, that was that was a huge band that. Cliche as fuck, crass. Mm-hmm. We're one well, of those big bands for and me. And Subhumans, uh, Dick was saying that crass was basically why they're in existence, is because they kind of took them under their wing and inspired them. They said crass sang about anarchy, you know, unlike taking it beyond what the Sex Pistols were, were doing and saying at the time. And uh, yeah, so anyway, it's cool to hear all these little stories about you know behind the, the scenes and and things that. Um, you just never know by just listening to the music and that's kind of why I do it you know it's it's just it's so amazing just to you know get a chance to meet people and and hear their stories and then share them with everybody else so right because it's 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 easy to when you hear a song it's like it just take it as like I like this or I don't like this like on first reaction mm-hmm. and I write off a song that if you get a little and I always hate this because people are like oh the fucking replacements it's like I don't like it and then you're like oh let me give you the context it's like fuck you the, 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 regardless of context it just doesn't fucking move me right sorry Scott um <laughs> But given some context, it's 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 nice to hear like a context which can give you a like some background to the band and where they came from, and you can look into some of their influences, and it, it gives you a little bit more relevance, and it, it, it can connect a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, to me, that's that's what it's all about is and you know reaching people that. Uh, grew up with it like you and I did and also you know people that had never heard of it before so that's that's the cool thing about uh, putting it out there so we're almost at the end here and we, yes. we mentioned the Violent Shifters so I've been in the Violent Shifters since uh, its inception it's been a great uh, band to be a part of and um, we've got some shows coming up in fact next week we're playing uh, with um, I wish so hard seeds. I could be at all of those shows yeah we, we've got three I can't even be at the local one so I'm well, such a it, fucking it is what it is you know 
But anyway, yeah, we've got three shows in a row. One is uh, on Friday um, playing at Palmer's in Minneapolis, and then we're hitting the road, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Sioux City, Iowa, playing a car show. What we should do is send subliminal messages to our regular listener, Brent, who's a big fan of the Toxines and a big fan of the Venice Shifters, and has mentioned before to me about coming and traveling to see bands in the Twin Cities area. Send him some little messages. Say, Brent, go to all three of those fucking shows. If, I, if I'm miraculously at one of those, I'll buy you a fucking drink. I owe you like a handful of those. And we can hook him up with a CD that he wanted, too. So there we go. And <laughs> yes, yes, Brent, this is your one chance to get the Violet Shifter CD. Well, and as we were mentioning, you know, we, we have one, uh, you know, full-length CD that we've released in our, our first recordings with you, with Twin yes. Cities Rockabilly. And that, that which, which, that's almost entirely the reason I got off my ass and recorded the compilation. Um, that I've been thinking about for a long time was to record Hot Rod Killing Machine, which is in the intro to every episode we've ever done, ever. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we're flying. And there, you know, there's a band in California that one of the members I sent a he bought a copy of the comp. Mm-hmm. I sent it to him, and he started a band called. Hot Rod Killing Machine. Is that right? Wow. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. We should play a show with them. <laughs> I, I don't think they're playing anymore. Oh, okay. I mean, that was, that was a few years ago. We, it, was, it was 2010 that we put out that album. Mm-hmm. I think it was mm-hmm. 2011 that I sent it to them. Oh, yeah. Well, time but, flies. But we've got another album that we recorded almost a year ago that's in the can. So we just need, need to, it. you know, yeah, we need to get that out. Everybody and, uh, needs expose it. it to the world. So thanks so much for having me on, Dan. It's been a pleasure, and thanks for everybody to list for listening. And um, you know, if you want to check out Scene TV Raw, that'd be great. It's it's great to do it, and there's no end in sight with that. So we've been talking about the Scene TV Raw all fucking night, right? We haven't mentioned where we can find this. Oh, that's a good point. So there's a website, SceneTVRaw.com. That's where that's you super can, easy. That, that's where you can find all of the episodes, current one and the uh, previous episodes. And then there's the the social media. So we're on Facebook and we're on uh, Instagram. And we update them like you and I were talking about. We've got this kind of feed of, of regular content with the Red Reaper army that we're going to be unleashing pretty soon. So people can get in on the ground floor of being a member of the Red Reaper army. It's kind of like the Kiss army, but cooler. And uh, yeah, that's and, and that's no where, herpes. And no herpes. That's right. <laughs> I mean, Jim Simmons says he's fucked like. Thousands or thousands of women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point, you sleep with that many people, you're going to get herpes. That's right. Statistically speaking, it's just going to happen. Right. Yeah, it's better odds than the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, I guess we'll we'll conclude with some violent shifters. If you want to check violent shifters out, we are on Facebook and uh, MySpace, but I don't think the MySpace, I think that's more of a historical thing at this point. I um, I don't even think my logout works. And somewhere in MySpace, there's a picture of my balls. Oh, is that right? Nice. Yes, it was was the night I drank my first sample of my first homebrew ever, and I drank two gallons of it. (laughs) And your balls popped out. (laughs) I was wearing Daisy Dukes. Oh, there we go. Nice. All right, so with that image in your mind, thanks again, Dan. And uh, here's, yeah, a, here's a whole set of the violent shifters. Sorry for cutting you off there. Thank you. I, um, but this has been Eric. 
and the Red Reaper and the Red of Reaper. CTV Live. Raw. CTV Live. Raw. I should have said why it's raw because it's uncensored now. So it's raw. You like to fuck this shit is, up. This is the internet. This That's is right. punk rock. We don't censor shit. That's how it should be. This is why I'm on the internet rather than on broadcast radio. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me of my PSA that I always say. Um, I almost forgot, which I've never forgotten before. Um, if you like the music we play here on the show, please go out and support the artist. Live music is incredibly important. Rock and roll is incredibly important. Broadcast radio is not going to save us. You heard about how broadcast TV destroyed or tried to destroy scene TV. Um, and the internet resurrected it because broadcast anything is fucking it's a dead medium. It's it's owned by corporations who will be basically whores. And uh, if you want to support fucking rock and roll, if you want to support live music and real music, go to a live show in your area when a band you like plays live spend more money at the merch booth than you do at the bar if they're not playing in your fucking area order it online contact the band they'll tell you how to buy the music don't just stream it for free I'm gonna stop fucking talking you get the point if you want this PSA in its entirety that makes sense let's do a past episode because I'll pass my bedtime here's a whole set of eye shifters it's young men such as you who are doing most of the killing. You think it'll happen to somebody else, but, but not, not to, to you. you. To you. Mm-hmm. 